on this episode of Deep Thrones, we review House of the Dragon Season 1, Episode 3, Second of His Name. We discuss Viserys, who constantly is discussing Rhaenyra. We ask Chris who he thinks Viserys should choose for Rhaenyra to marry. And we dissect Damon's fighting on the Stepstones, plus many more hilarious segments. Winter is here. Welcome, welcome to another episode, season one, episode three of Deep Thrones. I, of course, am Sims. Sheedy's here as well. What's up? Hey, everybody. Um, so that was uh, that, that episode was something. Second of his name. Second of his name, third of the season. Second of, <laughs> Second yeah, of it was name. something. I'll be honest. It was, for me, it was Game of Thrones-esque, late season Game of Thrones-esque. And I don't mean like mm. when it's like season eight, like, oh my God. But I think like season six or seven, where it was like, all right, a little. Like a what's little, going on a little some, bit. We're taking a little bit of liberties here. For sure. And I don't care about like source material, but I do care about like certain things that they do. And I think it's good that we're addressing this. For sure. And, and we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it in more detail. Um, I do want to start out by saying happy birthday to friend of the pod, Colleen. Yes, happy birthday. She's been on a few times. Um, this Re- episode will release on her actual birthday. She was like one of our first re- reoccurring guests. Yeah, so hell yeah. So uh, happy birthday, Kyle's. Happy birthday. Another item uh, that we want to address up front, if you want to go ahead with that news. Uh, what was the news? What did I... We have a beast moment oh, around yeah, here. my dog. So uh, normally we get a babysitter for my dog when we record. But there's no one who could watch him tonight. It's a holiday weekend. People are traveling. So he's down here with us. And he's straight up a lunatic. So <laughs> He's just getting into all sorts he's, of shit. Honestly, his face is buried in between the couch cushions. Who knows what he's scratching his face right now. <laughs> and his teeth are just... He's, he's a good dog. He's really got a big heart. But he's just got a lot of issues. So so, so if you hear some stuff going on in the background, we're not we're not like, you know, cuddling with each other. Right. It's, it's if, the dog. If at one point Chris is like talking for a really, really long time and you're kind of like, what, what's he saying? And you haven't heard from me. It's because he has gotten into something. Bruce, my dog. <laughs> and I am wrestling him out of it. Uh, so please bear with me. I appreciate it. Of course. So... Um, one thing also that I wanted to address up front was the three year time jump that we saw from episode two to episode yeah, three. It's something that needs to be discussed. And there's a couple of things that there's a couple of directions that we could go, right? We could say, Oh, maybe it's lazy storytelling and they don't want to put on screen any storylines that happened in those three years. Right. Um, or you can say, we don't want to have something drag out for four or five episodes where there's nothing really that advances the plot at all happening. And then what we get is a time jump after that. So I don't right. know. What are your thoughts? I mean, do you I think agree. they handled that well? Yeah. So the thing is this is you, our first three up. First off, episode one to two had a half year time jump. Episode two to three now has a three year time jump. And we know more time jumps are to come. So, of course, Given that we know the story and we know where this has to go, there has to be time jumps, at least early. I think eventually it'll become much more linear in time. Uh, I think my issue with it, and I think for casual viewers, might be, it might be jarring at first, and that's my issue with it. It's because it gives people a reason to complain. But also, one of the number one complaints of Season 7 and Season 8 were they were sped up and rushed, right? So I feel mm-hmm. like if people feel like they're being robbed of important storytelling... Which I'll be honest with you, Bruce just sneezed. I'll be honest with you. I don't think this. Uh, I think that's the opposite we've seen in the first three episodes here. I think they're really diving into the storytelling, and I think for the more casual fan, it'll be the opposite where they're like, "Where's, where's the dragons? Where's the action?" Because we get dragons in this episode, but it's much. It's a. It's parceled out. It's very short amount of time, and I think the dragons are coming. But I think that the time jumps they probably view as necessary to speed up the story. But for the casual viewer, it's kind of like, "Oh, okay, what's next?" Yeah, and and I can I, I can put myself in that situation and see the frustration there. I think that one of the main areas where the ending of Game of Thrones hurts House of the Dragon is that now you have a major lack of patience from right. a, a viewer standpoint, and right. you know any creative liberties that they're going to take and how they decide to put this on 
on screen is going to be viewed with a high level of criticism versus yeah. what we first saw in Game of Thrones. And granted, those episodes, those seasons were rushed, but also they were using six, seven episodes. Seven right. episodes in season seven, six in season eight. So that's the issue for them. For us, you know, we have 10 episodes in season one here. So it's not like they're rushing it in terms of the time they're giving us. They're just sort of hopping around to the more, like Chris said, relevant issues that mm-hmm. we're going to be facing. And I, I, this is a direct appeal to the uh, listeners of Deep Thrones. As someone who's read the Fire and Blood material, trust me, the, the time jumps make a lot of sense. They're not being lazy and skipping stuff. It, there's nothing that they, needs to be covered that they skipped. That's the thing. Season 8 and 7, the issues were, were that they skipped the politicking specifically for the spectacle. And mm-hmm. that's the opposite here. I think the spectacle's being parceled down like the end of that episode, and it's all like, who's going to be the heir? Rhaenyra is going to marry, all that. And we'll get into it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the last thing we wanted to touch was you had made a prediction, and I said, put it on tape. Put it out yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. So... This, this was more so based off episodes one and two, but my prediction is that Matt Smith's going to win an Emmy uh, for, you know, I don't, I, I'm not a big award show guy. Would it be like best actor or best actor in a drama? Yeah, it'd be best probably lead actor in a drama series or maybe supporting. So I think that's what Peter Dinklage would get because they're technically is not a main character in these shows. They're all technically supporting in an ensemble. Okay. So yeah, so that, that would be my prediction. And the reason I said it was mainly in episodes one and two. It was must-see television. You you didn't look away whenever Damon was on screen. And I think for me, that is... Like, if someone's on screen and it's captivating for every single moment that they're on, I think, what else criteria do you need to be able to say, yeah, that guy deserves an award? Now, in episode three, it was a little bit different, right? Because some of those scenes, to us, didn't really make too much sense. And we'll talk about that later on. But yeah, I think episodes that. one and two were, were spot on with yeah. his performance. I agree. I agree. I think he's been great. Like I said, he's sort of... Episode one, he was really prevalent. I think episode two and three, like you said, he sort of disappeared a little bit. Uh, but he's he's been strong. Matt Smith has really been delivering. But yeah, are you ready to get into this episode? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's dive into the review. Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. Um, so we open up on the crab feeder. He's getting after it. He's doing some dirty work out there, be feeding boys to crabs. Um, he's specifically torturing this one dude who's like, how's Valerian's coming for you? My Prince Damon's coming for you. Mm-hmm. And, like, and first of all, they do set the scene well where there's a Valerian sail burning in the beginning and there's yeah. there's a House Valerian uh, sailor that's tied up and shit. So like you, you can kind of get the feeling that the cra- Mr. Krabs is winning this Mr. war. Mr. Krabs is, he wants his money. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Caraxes comes swooping in and, and that guy, that Westerosi sailor, is so pumped. He's like, yeah. oh yeah, my prince. He's out here on his dragon, and he's about to fuck you up, fam. Yeah. For real, for real, on God. And he's literally hooting and hollering. This is after the crab feeder just, like, nailed his hand to a post to put crabs on him. And then Caraxes, like, steps on this guy. <laughs> while he's... And honestly, what did you think of it? Well, I... Well, you predicted he's going to get Yeah, fired. remember, I was like, yeah, I bet he's going to get lit up by Caraxes. And, like, that is one thing that they didn't really show much of in Game of Thrones was, if you have dragons, there's going to be, be friendly fire. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you're right. And it, the way they did it was a little kind of silly because the guy was hooting and hollering, but they showed it, which is important. Cause like you said, it it sort of adds to the realism that I think they sort of missed on uh, later in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then Damon, Damon yeah. took an arrow in that scene, too. Yeah, he's, he gets sauced up quite a bit, and this guy's getting arrows all over time. But he's in heavy armor. He gets an arrow through, like, I think the shoulder blade in the back. Uh, and um, Dragus, Dragus, what's his name? Dragus Drahar flees into the Mr. caves. Krabs. Mr. Krabs. And his men have sort of created this cavular, <laughs> cavular is the word, that's your uh, trademark, uh, <laughs> this choke point, essentially, with this series of caves. They're honestly just doing the Vietnam strategy, which, you know, they're just using the caves to their advantage because dragons can't really penetrate the caves. I'm pretty sure there's like a, a, a breed of crab that like hides in caves. Oh, and for comes sure. Out yeah. Yeah. yeah they got like a little, he's, this guy's big on the crabs. <laughs> he's but could, hypothetically, crab. couldn't the dragon just look through the hole and blast fire down the hole? Yeah, I think the problem was that the archers were above the holes. Right. So, like, if the dragon got up in there, then they could just shoot Damon off. That's his what back they showed. Or, right. Okay. Yeah. Great point. Great point. Uh, so he takes an arrow, and then guys, there's that time jump. Prince Aegon's two. He's two years old. They're celebrating his second name day, which is a birthday for medieval people, and big feast. The food looking good, and and a lot of new power players are there, and a lot of old power players are there. 
Yeah, so the the brothers Hightower are plotting as always. <laughs> brothers Hightower. That's that's their deal. Otto um, and uh, what was it like Alton? Alton uh, you know Alton. what? I, I I always get them confused. One of them is Gawain, but I think that was the son that right, got sauced up Alton by Hightower. Damon. Yeah. Um, and then so Tylen Lannister is the big big person who comes on in this scene. His brother Jason comes in later on. Uh, you know the Valerians are are like they're discussing the war. Um, Tylen's very concerned about it. He's saying that the king should kind of inter- intercept what's going on down there. Yeah, he wants him to get in the mix. I think that it's sort of one of those things where it's like you can see the king's hands are tied because, of course, like Viserys and uh, I'm sorry, Damon and, and Corlys did this without his leave. But at the same time, it's his brother and it's his master of ships, and like they're losing, and like technically this is a war that they should win. Mm-hmm. So he's feeling uh, pressure to intervene. And this is the first time we get a high-level look into why they're failing on the ground. And they mentioned that Damon's just been kind of going psycho and pushing the men too hard. The mercenaries are losing faith. The Valerians are losing faith. Yeah, and according to you, that's opposite of what happens in Fire and Blood. Yeah, I mean, and again, like, these people, our sources in Fire and Blood are writing from third-hand perspective. Right. So... If Damon and Valerian get a dub down there, they're not necessarily going to come back and be like, yo, shit was you know brutal funny? on the ground. Is that take by you right there is a pretty good one and a pretty interesting one, and I think one worth considering. They're going to come back as heroes and as, look what we did, like you said, and, and, and look on on next week on Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon. He even fashions himself the king of, you know. The king of the stepstones. Right, yeah. so you're right. I bet that's, that's actually a great take. I watching it was sort of upset, kind of like after you'd said that, like, well, why are they so off? And, and now that you said that, it's true. Victory tends to be, history is written by the victors, right? Ain't that the truth? That's the truth, man. That's why we won the Vietnam War. <laughs> it was sweeping successes. Uh, and yes, yeah, so there's a lot of talk going on. Rhaenyra's missing. Uh, Allison goes to get her. She's in the God's Wood. And Allison at one point says, like, your queen commands you go to the feast. And it's sort of like, wow, could you imagine that? That's rough. You know, it's that is like, I would love to see... All right, we well we'll have a, another female guest on Midweek Mayhem, right? Kinsey, yeah, our TikTok, our yeah. TikTok so that that'll week. be cool. I'd love to get a, a female perspective on that relationship now and how that's changed. They're still teenagers at this point, so it's yeah. got to be very awkward. Ten and seven, yeah, which I think is seventeen, 17. In, in this world, and and they're still like their friendship is, I think, ruined, but you, not really ruined. You can still see the threads of it there. You can still see the threads of their tongue-in-cheek sort of relationship with each other. From this scene, it looks like Allison wants to make the friendship work more than Rhaenyra does. True. But True. but we do hear some of Rhaenyra's concerns later on, but you can tell she's just very not happy with, with what's going on right now. Yeah, from there we get just a quick uh, traveling scene. The king, the queen, of course, Viserys and Allison, and then the princess Rhaenyra are all traveling to the hunt. Apparently it's a time-honored tradition for the young... Prince Aegon's name days, second birthday, they're going to do a little hunt. But also Allison's is, is with child. Yeah, so there, there's another there's another little one cooking in the oven there. Um, I won't spoil who that is, but definitely an important character. And, and they do live, actually, as opposed to a lot of Viserys' heirs before did not. Um, Allison's got a, she's got a good womb <laughs> and a strong constitution. <laughs> another thing that I thought was cool here was they actually showed what the kings would look like. Yeah, they really are like exploring some stuff that yeah, I appreciate. And, and I think this comes into, A, like maybe they're learning from their mistakes with Game of Thrones, but B, at a certain point we do. I, I was big on like, okay, they're just showing more detail, but I think we do have to c- take into consideration the budget. Yeah, it's much higher. Here. It's much higher budget. But the, mm-hmm. there's some, I again, I think there's some areas where they've improved. I think there's some areas where they could do better, and we'll mm-hmm. get into all that. Um, and again, it's it's a TV show. We got to take it for what it is. And, and there's still, oh God, what, seven episodes left to dissect. Yeah. And then uh, one one important line actually from this baggage train scene is that um, Rhaenyra is voicing some of her concerns to Viserys and she says, no one's here for me. Yeah. And, and then we actually get to the camp with all the tents and stuff and you see more Lannister Strongs, um, Hightowers, all that squad. Yeah. And no one, like, they're all cheering for Aegon. No one even so much as glances at Rhaenyra. Viserys, Alicent, and Aegon emerge from the vehicle uh, with, you know, from that cart with much fanfare. A lot of, a lot of hooting and hollering, and Rhaenyra just sort of sits in there, bummed out. We have three adult whites step out of the vehicle with their hands <laughs> in the air. adult whites <laughs> step out of the vehicle. Uh, there's one more in the back. Um, 
and the feast for Aegon. Um, they also so they arrive. There's that fanfare, and then they do a reference to the books about that famous woman that's banished to Essos or sold yeah. to the Stepstones. This is sort of a the, uh, a shout out, I think, for the nerds. Right. I was very happy. I, I heard it and I like paused it. I was like, did they just mention Joanna Swan? But and I was uh, like, yeah, who the fuck is she? <laughs> <laughs> so Joanna Swan, I should actually, uh, I'll do a Westworld's History Minute on her next week. Next It'd be week. Great. Yeah. But uh, kind of synopsis here. She was a daughter of a Lord, Lord Swan, and she was traveling through the Stepstones when her ship was intercepted by the Crab Feeder and the Triarchy. And she was sold into slavery, which she ended up basically becoming a madam of a brothel in uh, Lys, I think, either Lys or Mir. Um, And then she ends up being like one of the most influential ladies out there. She becomes like a courtesan for one of the princes there or kings there. Her brothel. So, yeah, Mm. we'll we'll get into more detail on that next week. What was her brothel called? Spearmint Mammoth? (laughs) <laughs> come on spearmint we're, swan spearmint, we're having fun we're having fun uh and then there's a quick little scene where um allison and rainier are forced to sort of hold court with the um ladies of the area lady lannister's there and of course lady redwine who's sort of yeah. talking very freely lady redwine lady kira's just like getting in it like about she's talking about the stepstone she's actually she calls out damon corliss and Viserys in like five minutes. It, it's interesting though because I feel like when Rhaenyra specifically is trying to talk about stuff with the small council, they always shut her up. But then this lady shows up and she's just mouthing off about all this yeah. stepstones wars, all this politics, and and they're just letting her thrive. So she must be one of those like almost uh, Queen types. of Thorns, yeah, type where she has the reputation where she. Well, can, man, openly three high-powered people. She openly talks kind of shit about saying like. Well, your uncle started this stupid war with his buddy Corliss, and now your dad's too weak to do anything. And I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that's essentially the the meat and potatoes of it. It's kind of like, (laughs) ma'am, relax. It is cool, though. I don't think we saw red wine once throughout all Game of Thrones, so that's one of those houses Cersei was that constantly we'll drinking it. <laughs> Come on, we're yeah. having fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a fun episode. No, yeah, I, no, for sure we never had any red wine, even a mention of it in Game of Thrones. It's the first time I've ever heard it. I think it. maybe one time they mentioned a red wine fleet, but that oh, might yeah, have maybe. been... I'm I don't sure think we've seen passing. any on screen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Uh, and then there's a there's a, the other Lannister. So the, the Tywin Lannister, right? Is that the name? Um, Tyland and Tyland Jason. and Jason. They're twins. They're played by the same actor. Uh, but one has longer hair for the sake of the viewer. And Jason Lannister... Thank the Lord. Thank the gods. Yeah, thank the, thank the, thank the gods. Uh, Jason and Rhaenyra have a quick chat where he kind of like proposes to her. He, he like proposes to her mid-chat. He's like, yeah, you can come hang out on Casterly Rock as a guest or as my lady wife. And it's uh, she sort of gets pissed about it, and then she goes to Viserys about it, and they fight. And it's sort of all these lords are just assuming now that she's no longer heir to the throne. Yeah, and when I first saw Jason start speaking with Rhaenyra, I said, there's there's some sort of angle happening here. And of course, you know, he wants to get married and make his house stronger. What I didn't expect was that he had already had that conversation with Viserys, and then... You yeah. know, Rhaenyra is the last one finding out, but right. that doesn't that didn't surprise me because Viserys is always just like coming up with these half hatched plans, and then yeah. they all fall apart. Yeah, he's he's sort of like so he, I think that he was like offering her up as like yeah you you need to take a husband it's you're of age. I don't think he was doing it because he ever like you know um, didn't consider her heir anymore. I think he was just saying like it's her time to be married. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all the people are a suit, are like all these men who are like sort of going and courting her are doing it under the assumption like yeah well you're not heir you're gonna come live at my at my castle. Yeah, yeah. I um, mean to them it's probably why a lot of them are there on that second name day for huh? sure. I mean her and Viserys then getting a huge shouting match over it. Otto gets in there to keep the peace a little bit and kind of be like <laughs> Otto of course he's always there. I mean and honestly Otto people I think early on are going to be like sleazy, sneaky, but honestly a lot of the advice he gives is sound. He he is in it for himself for sure, but also there is an aspect of it where he's very correct that the, the realm's not going to accept a woman leading it. Right. And But he kind of tells them, he's like, all right, relax. Rhaenyra takes off. She's pissed. And Kristen Cole follows her on horseback because, I mean, someone needs kids can't let the princess slash heir to the throne just ride off into the woods without uh, one of the Kingsguard. So they take off and um, 
and they just kind of get in a little chase, and then they kind of have a big conversation. They they have a little bit of alone time, and I think I think we're, we're alone now. We're starting to see their relationship kind of blossom a little bit. One Cole's of, got some personality. Cole is, I think, Cole is as his heart's in the right place right now. There's gonna be some. There's gonna be something later on where yeah, I think penis it's a catalyst in the wrong place. I think there's <laughs> gonna be a catalyst to some major events. So that's something to keep an eye on. One thing that I did love from this scene, and I think if you're gonna take anything from this small, like maybe one minute scene, is the line from Kristen Cole to Renera saying, "All that I have, I owe to you." Yeah. Which wow. Which you know, very cute. Just uh, you know, just just. Put that one in your memory bank later on. Yeah, put that in your spank bank for later on. <laughs> uh, and then, um, so they take off. There's apparently this massive deer that they're tracking for, like, we're going to get into this once we get to the actual deer slaying scene, but I thought it was going to be, like, Robert Baratheon hunting the boar by with his bare hands. No, it's much worse than that. This is, like, the dentists who are loaded and go to, like, the African safari and shoot animals that are, like, drugged. That's yeah. essentially what they're trying to yeah. do. Um, so we got, uh, Otto then slides in to talk to, uh, Viserys, heavy politicking from Otto here. He's like, wow, this white, they call it the, the, the white, white heart. heart. Yeah. This white heart deer has been spotted and we're tracking it. The gods must really love Aegon because Otto wants to see that grand baby sitting on the Iron Throne. He's yep. politicking hard. And then this is where Jason gifts the spear to Viserys as well. And right. this is where he vo- vocalizes that, hey, uh, we just assumed that Aegon was going to be the, the air now. Viserys is pissed. He Viserys hands this. Pissed. Yeah, Viserys hears that from a, a lord's mouth that he's like, well, you know, we just assumed that, and he goes, "We who's this we?" He said, "As your king, you know, it's it's my job from you. You have to tell me if there's anyone like threatening, you know." Yeah, he even brought up rebellion yeah. in that scene. And Lannister is like stuttering, like a mumbling idiot. He's nervous. He's sweating. He pisses his pants. This is me just assuming, but he he was he was scared. Uh, and then Otto questions Viserys uh, himself, just flat out, and he's I don't know, like who Rhaenyra will marry. So Otto now has shifted from politicking about Aegon being beloved to all right, but yeah, no, Lannister raises a good point though, your, your Grace. Who's your daughter going to marry? Right. And then who does Otto? Uh, who does Otto put forth, Chris? So this one's actually it's got to be creepy from like Rhaenyra's point of view, and I'm glad she didn't hear this. Everyone listening right now. You have to open your minds and listen to what we are saying. Chris, so, continue. Otto puts forth Aegon. Her two-year-old younger brother, half-brother. So, Targaryen, Rhaenyra Targaryen, Aegon Targaryen. What are you boom, doing, boom. stepsister? <laughs> um, and, like, so, in in And Targaryen, Otto means when they come of age, first of all. Right. And secondly... Yeah, there's no getting past the incest. That's bad. But the Targaryens, like, that's not a problem for for them. <laughs> it's their thing. Okay, again, not, not for us. We're, pro- we're not we're speaking not from our point of view uh, It here. sucks how many times we have to say that, but it's true. We're not speaking, but it's part of their history. It's part of their culture. <laughs> this is very much the South with the Confederate flag. Keep it, keep part in of mind, our culture. Uh, keep in mind the most revered Targaryen of all time, Aegon the Conqueror, married two of his two sisters. Two sisters, yeah. So, so this one... One would be kind of mild in comparison. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, that's good. Yeah, this is honestly this is because he's not even a full-blooded brother. No, this is another one. Keep it in the memory bank. This is one where uh, war could have been avoided again. So so far we have Viserys being betrothed to Lena could have been an, an opportunity of, to avoid war. Lionel Strong twice has proposed a Valerian child. First, last episode he proposed that it would be in Viserys's best interest to marry that this 12 year old which has grown many memes out on the internet and then this episode mr strong has said you didn't heed my advice back then but now i think it would behoove you to marry rhaenyra to Lenor valerian yes so we have we have three potential matches for rhaenyra so and far. as hard as it is for us to vocalize that because of all these names viserys is sitting on the throne right or not on the throne but on the high chair pissed drunk getting mad at everybody because he doesn't oh, have yeah. a, he doesn't want to talk about it not, and it's one of those things that like it, the reason he doesn't want to talk about it is because it stresses him out and it's because yeah. he doesn't know what to do and it's like when you don't know what to do sometimes as humans we're like caged animals we tend to strike at people you know so to to recap the three proposals for Rhaenyra are Jason Lannister Laenor Valerian Aegon Targaryen 
And then, to add to your point there, not only was he pissed drunk, but I think there's also a little bit of the infections of his wounds are kind of getting to his head a little bit. I would agree. I mean, that happens to the, that happens to the Targaryens. I think long term they tend to go a little yeah. wacky, and I think it's also I think George has talked about this a lot too, and that you know the dynasty is that also power is just corrupting. At the mm-hmm. end of the day, I mean, even good people tend not not I don't want to generalize, but they could be swayed by the powers that exist. But isn't that like a medical thing though? Like if you have a really bad infected wound, doesn't your brain kind of start going a little? Yeah, you bit could. I mean, like syphilis. T- it yeah, makes you go a little crazy. Yeah, Tetanus can make you go crazy. Rabies. There's a lot of infections that if you don't get... Honestly, guys, see your medical see your medical professional yeah. and get all your infections checked go to out. Your, go to your practitioner. Get your set. infections looked at. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then from there, Colin Rhaenyra, they set up camp and he's like, listen, we got to get back. But also like Kingsguard and the princess built a fire. They're getting kind of cozy. They're not getting cozy, but they're, you know, they're chilling. And uh, all of a sudden, there's some rustling in the woods, and it's a boar. This boar jumps out, charges at Kristen. Kristen actually takes, like, if that was a little bit higher, it could have been a problem. I think it hit him, like, in the knees. Yeah, what about his dick? Yeah, or, or I mean, his his uh, thigh artery. Like, that could have been bad. Yeah, Could have been his dick, though. Also, also could have been his, his dick. His heart or his dick. And then the boar hops on Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra looks like she's about to get gored. And yeah. then he stabs the boar through the neck. But it's still kind of alive. It's, it's, it's kind of c- cooking. It's, yeah, it's, ah. And it, then Rhaenyra pulls out a dagger and she just fucking... It just goes ham on it. She goes, ooh, spider monkey on that thing. And she uh, she goes she goes hard in the paint. And I wonder, I'm curious, to, I would like to know the lineage of that boar if it killed Robert. And it's like a Kingslayer boar family that tried to kill the future queen of Westeros <laughs> and also killed Robert. This is a series of boars in these woods that are taking out kings and queens left and right. Yeah. Keep the kings and queens out of the fucking woods. Yeah, and they I don't mean, learn shit. Hunting's dangerous. <laughs> Hunting is dangerous. And, uh, and there was a part of me where it's like, okay, is Kristen kind of crossing some boundaries by camping out in the woods with her but then i thought well maybe it got dark and like you can't just travel through the woods in the dark like yeah, you get I think lost it was like pretty a, easily i agree i think it was like a we have to set up camp scenario mm-hmm. uh i think you know um that was sort of what they were going for there and, and also he's the king's guard and she's and the, we see that with them they always go with the princess too so I, I don't think it was too unusual but that might come back to bite them in the future mm-hmm. as we saw in the next week um like look ahead um, and then from there, Viserys and Allison talk about Rhaenyra. Um, he talks about his dream. Uh, the, you know, he's sort of standing by this massive pyre, talking about that dream again about the baby boy. And he said, you know, I've wavered about this. And, and we're starting to see him sort of question his decision. He even says, like, I chose Rhaenyra to keep the realm from having to deal with Damon. You yeah. Know? And he's like, I never thought I'd love again. Never thought I'd have a son. You know? He even asked himself, what if I was wrong in that yeah. conversation? Which I think is the first time that he openly questions his, himself. It seems like maybe he's made the wrong decision so far, but he's at least been like headstrong on them yeah. in like a dumb way. Um, I told you it's a, it's a compulsive thing, and humans do it a lot. I mean, we've all done it where you make a compulsive decision, or, or, or it's like um, buyer's remorse. Anything. It could be really anything. It doesn't have to be as high level as this. You do something, and you're really excited about it, and then after you do it, you're kind of like, did I need that? Did I need to do that? You know, a little it's, bit of cognitive dissonance, right? Except he's doing it on a level of a king trying to keep an entire country of people at at, at you know peace. It's tough. I, I imagine that's difficult. <laughs> it, it's got to be, especially while you're hammered. And I actually I noticed a parallel between it being in the same location, the King's Wood, and kings being hammered. Uh, Robert Baratheon went out in the King's Wood got hammered yeah led to his death this one doesn't necessarily lead directly to his death but it does have some major implications as far as who takes over the kingdom afterwards where when renly was thrown all those tourneys were they in the king's woods because him and loris were hammering each other left and right (laughs) come on guys we're having fun this episode i think i I, I don't think that was the king's Woods. i think that was in the stormland somewhere all right um no from so from there then uh they finally find this giant buck right it's not the white it's not the white heart though but King Viserys, of course, all the guys are looking at him. It's super awkward, and like the vibes aren't good. They also just have a bunch of ropes tied around the buck. I kind of, I, I kind of hated it. Like you're, it's not badass to kill something that's helpless and tied up. No, but I think that's important that they did that. And I, again, the parallel to Robert Baratheon, 
he was uh, he wanted the boar coming at him right. full tilt. I right. mean, he lost that fight, but he wanted yeah. it, you know. And here's King Viserys. First blow wasn't even good, and then like it's not even a king's guard. It's like a professional deer hunter guy steps up and whispers in his ear. It's like a little bit more of that direction, your grace. Yeah. And then second blow, he kills it, which I think it's like good luck if you do it on the first. It's sort of like you got to blow out all the candles on the first try, you know. Yeah. And he didn't do it. He didn't blow out that deer's life on the first try. <laughs> well, it is kind of. I mean, at least. At least for what it is, he is killing it himself and not having someone else do it. But I mean, he's he the, the stag's tied up. I mean, it's yeah, that that was weak. He's hung over a shit. And then the actual White Heart appears to Rhaenyra and Kristen Cole, uh, completely removed. I think they were on their way back to the main camp from their from their overnight camp that they had. The White Heart has giant symbolism, right? You were explaining to me in the episode because I couldn't. I was like, what? what's the significance? And then they explain it, too. And in medieval, the White Heart has some significance, right? It's supposed to be a sign of royalty, a symbol of royalty. And this is what Otto was preaching to Viserys when they had spotted it on the initial tracking. But here they are killing the deer that wasn't the right one. And then the one that symbolically is a symbol of royalty comes across Rhaenyra's path. Kristen Cole pulls his sword. She says, nope, leave it alone. And they leave. And there's, t- speak, there's a lot of talk of murdering stags. And... There's a good thing that there's no Baratheons there. I yeah. wonder if that's supposed to be a little bit symbolic about something that'll come on the screen later on. Yeah, maybe. That's a great point. I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought that up. From there, Otto, uh, bring, bring, talking to Allison again. This is very much. Um, it, it, this isn't a direct relation to it, but it's sort of like when Tywin would talk to Cersei or talk to Joffrey. Technically, by rank, they would be in a higher position, right? When they're like king or queen. But Otto is higher position than Allison. He's telling her what to do, and he flat out says to her, "Aegon, your son should be the heir, not your best friend Rhaenyra." For a couple, and he's gaslighting her, essentially saying, "Listen, no matter what, even if you think Rhaenyra is the best queen, her being the best queen won't matter because it will tear the realm to shreds because these men won't accept her, and it will lead to war." And Allison's resistant, and she respects. There's still a lot of respect from Allison's in to Rhaenyra. Yeah. Not so much vice versa because Rhaenyra feels like she got shafted. Yeah. But I do think that Allison's still trying to hold on a little bit to the friendship that they have. And it just doesn't She's look fine. like it's going to be possible, especially now that she has one son and possibly bringing another into the world. She um she says, she's like, what, you want me to raise a son who would rob his older sister's throne? And Otto says, it is Aegon that's being robbed. Meaning, we've changed the rules. It's always been a male heir. Why change the rules? And yeah. it's, we're seeing him plant the seeds in her, and then he tells her to plant the seeds in, into Viserys. Um, and then she does visit a hungover Viserys, and they discuss Rhaenyra, and Viserys kind of saw it coming. <laughs> yeah. And then and then in this scene, he also gets a letter from Vaymond Valerian. Um, and Vaymond's basically saying that Damon and Corlys are fucking this shit up, and they're losing the yeah. war. Vaymond is the brother to Corlys, younger brother to Corlys. Um, but I feel like a lot of lippy people, man, I feel like a lot of people who speak sort of out of turn and abruptly in this, in this time period in Westeros as compared to when Game of Thrones, it seems like a lot of people tended to fall in line a little bit. Yeah. You have a lot of proud, you have a lot of proud and wealthy individuals. It's a time of war too. So, you know, for, for at least for Vayman and for Corliss, um, and, uh, you know, they again discuss Rhaenyra and sort of. It seems like that Viserys is holding fast and holding strong on that. Yeah, he doubles down twice in this episode on on Rhaenyra being the heir. Yeah, Corlys, like you said, they're losing, uh, and then she Allison calls out Viserys for not helping uh, Damon and them at all, and and he he gives in. He sends aid. Yeah, so he actually he, he put this poor guy. He says, I don't know who the last name, what the last name is, but he sends Sir Adam <laughs> to go deliver this letter of aid. Yeah, and then Viserys and Rhaenyra have a fairly heated conversation. Yeah, Rhaenyra again doesn't want to just be married off like what she thinks is like some. Did you, some are you prize. using the Yas Queen from this? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She she gets him good. She, yeah. she takes a shot at him. To the point where you ever get burned so good where you're just like, hey, you got me. You're he, right. he pulls one of these. Like, <laughs> he's like, guess what? You're right. Um, she nails him. It's a great scene. Father-daughter chat. Um, 
So Viserys is basically on this high horse saying that, you know, you have to marry for an advantage. And Rhaenyra claps back and says, like, you didn't do that. Like, yeah. if you did, you would have married Lena. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well. He's like, whoo Kind of right. So I guess you can marry whoever you want. So he actually gives her the power to choose her own Very rare husband. this time this time period. Doesn't really happen. But he says, you're going to choose, you choose your own husband. Just make sure he's worthy. Which shows, again, he has, he's putting trust in Rhaenyra. Yeah. But at the same time, he doesn't really give her room to breathe and like actually participate in court and like right. have an impact on actually what happens in the small council and yeah, things he's, like that. He he he's he doesn't. I think he just doesn't know what to do. Because then when she's in those scenes and the men kind of look at her, he's sort of like, "Well, no, 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 you don't, don't, don't act that way in front of the men." But then it's like, then why make her heir right. if she can't have that power right now? Exactly. You know what I mean? Uh, and. Um, so she gets that right, and then also he tells her that she will not be supplanted in plain terms, in plain English. So keep that in your spank bank, or your mem- what are you calling it, memory bank? And then from there, <laughs> um, we go to the Stepstones. The rest of this episode basically is on the Stepstones. The Valerian, the Valerians are questioning Damon just outright, yeah, just outright at a war council questioning Damon while he's doing like strafing runs on Caracas. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny too. Like Damon's like talking all this shit, and like you just see in the background, Caracas is just doing strafing runs. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where I understand that there's going to be some frustrations. With someone who's a wild card like Damon, and Corliss even says this, like, dude, you can't, he basically, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, like, you can't openly talk shit about him because he's going to go nuts and kill you, too. But Corliss grabbed Damon by the shirt and he said, like, you are my brother, but I will not let you cause a mutiny. Right. And so... um, Corliss, I think, probably feels responsible for, but also Corliss's son, Lenor, that's his son? Yeah. Speaking uh, strongly at the war council, even calls out his uncle. He's yeah. like, you've just been fucking talking shit this whole time. At least Damon's fighting. Yeah. He's like, he's out there putting in the work. And um, the men, morale is low. The men are low. And this is, I think, Damon's... Damon hears how low morale is. He sees the way the men are looking yeah. at him. I think he gets it. He's like, all right, you think I've fucked up? You think the only way to get the crab feeder out is with a human um, sort of like... Sacrifice. Sac- sacrifice or sort of a human booby trap. Well, they're not going to come all out for anyone. They're going to come out for someone of value. So Damon's like, fuck it. I'll do it. And then they also get that, that letter in this scene, too. That's Yeah, that's when he pieces up that. Yeah, so Sir out. Adam walks up thinking he's going to be like a hero and be well-received. And he hands this letter to Damon. Pretty intense scene. Damon's reading it, and his face just turns picks up his helmet and just starts bashing in Sir Adam's face. He wants nothing to do with his brother's help. He doesn't want Viserys' help. He yeah. sees that as a defeat. And, and you, then he goes. You know, you have you have aid coming from Driftmark as well. I think they said they were sending 18 ships. 18 ships, and, that's you know, exactly right. It was like 700 yeah. men or something. No, they were down to 700 men, so they were bringing more. Yeah. Um, and then also from King's Landing, you have 10,000 men coming too. So... To Damon, though, this is a failure because he wants this glory. He wants to go down there yeah. and get victory with what he had on his own. Yeah. And so to him, it's like, I'm not waiting for this help. I'm going to go and, like you said, sacrifice myself as being, you know, kind of this sacrificial lamb to bring these crabs out of this cave. Get, get these motherfucking crabs off this motherfucking plane. And this uh, is this is a this is a an odd scene so you can kind of walk us through this yeah let me because it's kind of got to be walked through so he goes to surrender he gets down on one knee pulls a dagger when the guy takes it so all the men come out all the crab feeders men come out kind of surround kind of a light surrounding at this point gets more surrounded later um they got the archers up top on those embankments that you were talking about crab feeders sort of watching from his little hut in the cave and then as he hands dark sister to the, the guy who's accepting the surrender, he pulls a dagger, slices the guy, takes Dark Sister, and then he starts doing that thing that we see in movies where it's like, instead of all these guys attacking him at the same time, they kind of come at him one-on-one, right? And they're knocking arrows at him, missing an awful lot. And it's a long run of him doing this. Uh, long story short, after a long while, he catches an arrow. But keep in mind, there were a lot of arrows shot before he catches one. He avoids them all. He's taking out these guys. And then he kind of gets surrounded on the ground, hurt, alone. The crab feeders men have him. And then, boom, Lenor shows up on Silverwing and just takes out those guys that had him surrounded, essentially creating like a, a point where uh, Corliss's men can enter. And out of nowhere, the Valerians come and it's it's man on man. Damon sort of runs into the cave to chase the crab feeder. 
and and I'll leave it there for now. Yeah, a couple things. The the archers reminded me a lot of the stormtroopers from Star Wars. Yeah, a lot of just terrible shots. It's just awful if you're shots. Alive, they're terrible <laughs> shots. I mean. Yeah, the the fact that they even like ever were winning a war if they're shooting like that is just not not good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess it really was a war of attrition these last three years because maybe that was what they were going for. Because man, these guys are brutal. Yeah. Uh, at least in the hand to hand combat, we see the crab feeders men getting some wins, and 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 Corliss's men getting some wins. So that's more realistic. But the archers were fucking useless. And Lanor Valerian on Silverwing was actually awesome. That was a high yeah. point. He's in armor. He's sort of, you know, he's screaming Dracarys every time it breathes fire, which doesn't happen all the time in Game of Thrones. We don't see. Not only that, but he's, like, hooting and hollering yeah, and getting he's, into he's it. he's pretty pumped. Silverwing, like, dives at one point and, like, picks up a couple guys and sends them airborne. So, um, I actually, I did a quick double check on the dragon's name. It's Sea Smoke. Is sea Smoke, my Yeah, bad. Sea Smoke. That's my bad. Um, either way, I mean, very similar looking dragons. But yeah. then... I was very disappointed. So, Damon goes in the cave, comes out with cra- the crab feeder just like torn in half. Yeah, he just he just did it off screen. You know, cool enough. But I wanted to see. It was very. It felt very anticlimactic. Anti- very anticlimactic. I will say this. I agree with you. It was anticlimactic. It was cool how he was covered in blood. You know, and he had the crab feeder and Corliss, all the guys scream. And it was sort of like Damon now has won the respect of these men that he was losing greatly. Right. And I think that's why they'll go back to Westeros hooting and hollering and excited. But Mm. not only the anticlimacticness of that, but the Damon doing like what we'll call the Jon Snow run, essentially, before help arrives. Sort of like, okay, there has to be consequences, you know, again consequences rob stark faced consequences ned stark faced consequences in a small way tywin lannister faced consequences you know what i mean yeah i mean not to be not i love you Tyrion, but he in a big way he faced consequences you know yeah people face consequences for their actions in game of thrones and that's why people like it and maybe this is one of those folklore moments in damon's story that becomes like the whoa he's a badass you know but yeah i will say this is this is the first episode or I guess like first like uh, scene episode within an episode, right? Like yeah. th- this whole Stepstones um, yeah. sequence was the first time where I s- kind of disagreed with where the writers took this to put it on screen versus how it was portrayed in Fire and Blood, or at least talked about third person in Fire and Blood. I agree. So you know, I mean, I mean, we can get into that later on when we give our rating here. But I, I did think that uh, the crab feeder was just not. I, it just he didn't do it for me. He didn't say a word. Yeah. And we talked about this. This isn't a band of pirates. The triarchy is like a, a powerful not powerful, but they're attempting to be powerful. Evidently we're powerful enough to keep, you know, the army at bay for a while. Uh and what would you know, if they are this sort of triarchy of, of governments coming together, why would he be their leader? Right. What would he he looked like a fucking goon. He didn't he didn't say anything. He was hiding in caves. Yeah, I don't get it. He's yeah. nodding at these men and they're all fighting at his whim. It's like he wasn't charismatic or anything. You're you're talking about three massive free cities and lists yeah. Tyrell should These aren't pirates. If it was if he was a pirate who was getting them riches, that makes sense. Like you yeah. said, they're three free cities that came together to form this sort of choke point. Mm-hmm. And they and they have over I think like three hundred different members of government that yeah. that you know decide what this triarchy does. So for him to be named the Lord Admiral or the Prince Admiral of that fleet, there's got to be some sort of like charisma factor, yeah. some sort of leadership factor. And to me, what we saw on screen did not embody that. He got cut in half. What a loser! <laughs> like at the waist, he didn't get his head taken off. He got cut in half at the waist. Can you is okay? What was what was your rating? Um, initially I had a seven, but the more I talked about this episode, I'm going Good. down to a six. Good, mine's a six and a half. The only reason I gave it a half, I think, was because of Lenor. I give him a lot of credit. I liked his character. I liked seeing uh, him do some work, and I um, that's it. That was really the only reason. Yeah i I do think I do think it is kind of setting up the scenes for more of the tension between Allison and Otto yeah, and, and, Aegon and, and Damon. And, yeah, you know, but yeah, it just didn't didn't really get my Jerry's going this episode. I agree. I think that the Stepstone stuff was rushed to use that curse word from season eight. I think that they could have drawn that out. Or if you're gonna just kill the crab feeder off camera, then you might as well have done all the fucking shit off camera. Because like, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Let's uh, best line, yes, queen. All right, so I'll lead us off this week. So my best line was from Otto to Alicent. 
when he says the road ahead is uncertain, but the end is clear. Aegon will be king. Woo, Otto. I'm I'm kind of liking it. I like Otto. I like Otto. Memory bank. We need to we need to get like a noise where it's like memory a ching bank. and you like ching. pop a token <laughs> in the memory bank. Yeah, like the sevens. Like damn it. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, mine is Viserys. I did not decide to name Rhaenyra my heir on a whim. Because yeah. he did, first of all. But secondly, <laughs> uh, it's a good line because it's showing that he's standing with his decision to all these lords that were questioning it outright to his face, which they regretted immediately. I mean, we, I guess we can we can dive into this on the midweek mayhem and we can actually have yeah, an open discussion. let's do it on the midweek. But, like, do you think that's the right decision? No. No. But we'll discuss it. Okay. Uh, what's your Yas Queen? My Yas Queen was... If it was for advantage, you would have married Lena. And that was from Rhaenyra to Viserys when they were talking mm. about uh proposed or arranged marriages. Rhaenyra, she's she's a firecracker, Rhaenyra is. She's an absolute badass. She gives it to it straight. And that was the line that we were talking about when he was like, You got me. Yeah. He's like, Good point. He's like, <laughs> All right. When you're right, you're right. And uh my Yas Queen was after Lady Redwine was outright like just judging her uncle her father and lord corliss she goes and how have you served the realm lady red wine by eating cake <laughs> yeah that was a good one she shut up too dude i'll eat cake on the first date and, and you can shut up too <laughs> <laughs> and you can shut up too. <laughs> that, uh, that one's from uh not friday night lights what's the disney movie with the footballs oh. you know the, the football players and they do football stuff remember the titans yeah there yeah. you go <laughs> <laughs> with the football guys doing football yeah there you go Been played it for 40 years <laughs> Uh, hottest moment my hottest moment was it's kind of like a combination of a couple scenes but the conversations between Rhaenyra and Viserys yeah they were hot all episode yeah Rhaenyra just she's she's pissed about this whole her marriage him marrying her best friend and them now having a son and Viserys continues to double down on the fact that she's the heir and he's not going to change his mind yeah yeah she she really is worrying about it it's on her mind. She wants to as it queen. should be. No, agreed, agreed. But it's just is it's all encompassing for her right now. My hottest moment is after she kills that boar when her and Kristen Cole return to camp. She's covered in blood. Everyone's fucking looking at her. They got the boar like they actually brought it. They're like, hey, listen, we're nose to tail at this at this restaurant. <laughs> we're gonna yeah, cook yeah. this thing up. And she's covered in blood, just walking. And King Viserys and Allison and Otto and everyone's kind of looking at her like, holy shit, badass moment. That was a badass moment. I think. I think that was very much a statement of, like, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. I'm not fucking leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. Mount Rushmore. Fall outfits. We're doing fall outfits. So, you know, the, weather, the weather's... It's September. You know, it, Labor Day is happening currently, if you're listening to this on Monday. It, we're, we're getting into fall. And I was kind of hesitant. My wife put up the fall decorations already. Nice. I was not. What know. are fall decorations like Halloween? Uh, no, no, like not Halloween. Halloween. Like, like you start putting up like instead of like uh, flowers and stuff around the house, you get like pumpkins or oh, like yeah. um, squash and shit. You got squash or, like, just lying around your house, or like uh, <laughs> you know, girls love throw pillows. So there's yeah. a lot of there's like a the lot leaves, of like yeah, like the they're orange leaves. Exactly. Yeah, yeah you get it. You get I'm it. I'm a single male, so I don't really. get it. <laughs> Well, you, you know what I'm talking about. So, just, yeah, you just see my room and it's just covered in like squash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a single male. Uh, Mount Rushmore of fall outfits. So I think, yeah. did I start last time? Maybe. I'll go. Let you me start. start. You can I'll start. start. You know what I love is one of those, I wear it all the time, that big white knit sweater. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just like a big knit sweater. Nice, like one of those ones you see like an Irish guy wearing in the moors of Ireland. Nice warm like wool sweater. Yeah, made out of 100% sheep. Okay, I'm gonna roll with I'm gonna roll with a hoodie though. Ooh, nice! Like I love st- a good hoodie. You, you throw on. You can wear hoodies inside. You can wear them outside. You know, it's the versatile. <laughs> you can wear them wherever you want. <laughs> uh, what about what? What was it? Um, uh, slops, slipper socks. Oh yeah. wow, yeah. Slops. Okay, slops okay. is a, I, I with think like I the give, grips on the bottom. Yeah, I think I got to give credit to Rob Gallic. I think coined the term slops. slops. So I think we got to call him that. Those things got that grip. You know what Dude. I mean? <laughs> oh no. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on the foot trend. I'm gonna go with boots. Ooh, good pair of boots. Now, you can't wear boots in the summer. People forget about like sweaty feet and boots. Kind so like now Tim's. in fall. Yeah, dude, get some Tim's, get some Sorrels, you get, yeah, you get everything going. Yeah, I like it, just a good beanie. 
Nice. I had well, that on my list too. It's, it's, it's on the it's on the big board for sure. Mel Kiper had it going early. <laughs> uh, a good beanie, you know. You pull it down over the ears. You keep it up above the ears. Pull it down over your face. Rob a bank. Do what you want. It's fun though. <laughs> I'm gonna roll with bathrobes. Oh, yeah, I don't have a robe, and I've always Ooh, wanted one. Wow, so oh, you're sleeping on robes. Yeah, I'm sleeping you're on sleeping robes by on not robes. having a robe. Like, you wake up in the morning, it's a little bit chillier in the fall once the weather starts is it to easier, turn. Do you think, do you, in your experience, is it easier to hide morning wood with a robe? Dude, you ever heard of the term, let me slip into something more comfortable? It's a robe. You can't do that without a robe. <laughs> so you're missing out. That's a great point. That's a great <laughs> point. So I honestly, that's that's a hot pick. So this is my fourth, right? Yes. Um. What about a scarf? Scarf, uh, scarfs in fall. That's a win- that's a winter thing. No, isn't you can it? wear scarfs in fall. Just imagine you're frolicking in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> just just agree with me on this. Just imagine a very highly unlikely situation. Just imagine it's fall and you're wearing a scarf. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. So scarf that you know you could have saved that for like episode yeah, ten sc- when we're in the winter. Scarfing these nuts. <laughs> Um, I'm going to roll with for my final pick. Ooh, this is tough because I have some two good ones on the list that I want to throw out here. I feel like mine sucked. You you had a great board. What's your fourth year? Uh, so my I'm going to go with, I'm going to roll with football jerseys. Oh, okay. Oh, football jerseys. I got hammered on this draft. That's a good you one. Know. But, but uh, on my, on my fifth, if we had a fifth, I was going to go sweatpants. Yeah. Well, after they add. Uh, Biden to Mount Rushmore, we can add a fifth. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, he's, strat- he's like, he's, his face is all like pixelated. facing the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> Strategy with Lord Mims. Chris, Lord Mims, King Mims. If, Ooh, it, was, King Mims. if it was King Mims Viserys Targaryen, who would you marry Rhaenyra to? It could be any of the choices listed in the episode or anyone in Westeros. Hmm. Hmm. The world's your oyster. You know what? As as weird as as weird as this is gonna sound, yeah, we know it's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with Aegon, and you know it solves Otto's problem. It solves Otto's problem. It solves Viserys. It problem. Rhaenyra is gonna be pissed about it at first, but being like 15 years older than him, she'd probably have a lot more say, especially before he turned like yeah. of age. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, Allison never pisses her off. She'd be like, "I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go bang your son." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she banged Allison banged Renee's dad. dad first. Yeah, so it's like, complicated. It is. <laughs> it's really you're complicated. flipping the script. Who wins that battle? Yeah. I don't know. You know, so I think that avoids a lot of this this conflict. And don't uh, you know? Don't think that I'm weird because I'm saying that they should marry each other. You're not. In Literally. the realm of thrones and Lord Mims, it's fine. But I think you're right. But now let's do, you blew it. Chris, who blew it? You blew it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that the crab feeder blew it just because I was really expecting more from him and he didn't give any of it to me. So, Mr. Krabs. You blew it. You blew it. You, you, you blew it. You blew it. I love you, buddy, um, but you blew and it. And to go along those lines, I totally agree with you, but I'm, I'll just to mix it up a little bit. I'll say the crab feeder's archers. Uh, the crab feeder's archers. You blew it. You guys blew it as a collective unit. All of you. They hit. They, they did end up hitting him a few times. But it was like after he had already... The I, mean, damage was, they, I mean, they did hit him a few times after the damage was done, right? Uh, I know. I wasn't a fan of that either. We'll, we'll discuss. Going forward, we will put that in the, in the bank. We're going to... The bing, bing, bing. Yeah. But we got to decide going forward, if we continue to see a trend, it'll be something we'll have to adapt to. Uh, unnecessary titties. Chris... Mine, I'll just say the crab feeder's entrails. Yes, I was actually, I was going to say the crab feeder coming out dead, but mine's, yeah. excuse me, mine is more so because we didn't even, we, we didn't even get to see them fight. Yeah, show it. That's what everyone wants show to see. It. Show them. Even if Damon just goes in there and he turns around, it turns out the crab feeder doesn't have the smoke, then whatever, he chops him in bits. But then that that reiterates what you said earlier was if it was that easy for Damon to cut this fucking guy in half off camera, he's covered in blood, his not his own. Well, that the guy wasn't even a good fighter. He clearly wasn't a good good orator. He wasn't charismatic. He was riddled with grayscale. Why did they choose this guy? Right. Who had a vote? Who was who was in charge? Of, was the crab feeder where they like you pick? And he was like, really? I'll pick myself. Like, oh shit! <laughs> he, he got us. He, he got, got us. the votes. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. So I, I did. Yeah, this will be a lot of people. 
probably think that, especially me, mm. because I've read the books and I've liked what they've done so far, that I've kind of maybe picked a side with the writers. But this yeah. that Crab Feeder situation, I don't agree with how they how they put that I, on screen. I read a review of this episode on. I won't. I mean, it was one of those Game of Thrones websites, right? That exist all over the place. There's a bunch of them, and it was very favorable of the episode. And I give us credit that, unlike in season eight, which we ate crow for, but here we're, I think we've developed a keen sense of how to step back and be like, well, and I think that uh, to our credit, we're not getting caught in that this time. Yeah. They, any any excuse to compliment us, I'll take. What was it that uh, the great President George Bush said? Fool, fool us once, and going to fool us again? You're never going to fool us twice. There you go. Yeah, yeah, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, you ain't going to fool me again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's honestly, Mount Rushmore, six, put him up there. Um, <laughs> all right, trial by combat. So I have no clue how this one's going to play or be received, and that's okay, because life is short, and we got to have fun. I'm going to receive it well. I hope so. I admittedly had a long week at work. You know, it was a good week, but it was just long. Sometimes you're like, wow, it's it's only Wednesday, you know, um, and, and this is what I got. All right, so this this really so we're it, it's a, a science building. It's off the books. The United States has it hidden. This is where they do top research, right? Um, so there's this real cool scientist at this facility. His name is Doctor Chad because he's super cool. <laughs> um, and Doctor Chad is working uh, on this world changing particle reactor. Don't ask me what it does. All right, it just it reacts with particles. And it's in a again a high security government facility, and Doctor Chad has it going on. All the other scientists love him at this facility. He's like the jock of the facility, right? Chiseled chin, chiseled chin. He's Doctor Chad. Great haircut. His dad owns a car dealership. Great hair. All the girls flock to him. But there's this other doctor, Doctor Bob, who hates Doctor Chad because Doctor Bob's always getting bullied by Doctor Chad. He stuffs him in lockers, makes him drink vials of his piss. You know, <laughs> he's uh, he's always picking on him. All right, so one day. Dr. Bob has had enough of the bullying and he sneaks into the lab at night because he feels this is the only way he can get a dub over Dr. Chad. So what does he do? He goes to Dr. Chad's particle reactor and he teabags it. No, no. He just puts his nuts right in there. And, so how does it react to those well, particles? We're going to find out. <laughs> and really, <laughs> this is just so Bob can feel like he's won one time in his life. He just wants a win, you know, and he's not a bad guy. He just wants one win. Um. So then the next day, and of course, it's like one of those scenes in like a movie where it, it's like unzips and then he puts him in there and then he's just like, ah, and like things are sparking and shit. <laughs> and then, um, he, the next day, Bob wakes up in bed and Bob thinks it was all just a dream and he moves the covers to find that his balls are gone. Oh, no. Yeah, and he realizes that his teabag prank, prank was a huge mistake that cost him dearly. Uh, but he goes back to work like nothing ever happened. No one notices. You know, Dr. Chad makes fun of him per, per usual. Bob is hurt by this, so he runs into the bathroom to cry a little bit, uh, and, and then he, he takes a quick piss. And when he takes the piss, he finds his balls are back. But oh, his balls are back. They're back, but they're wearing like a little, like, you know, like what the Minutemen used to wear in like the Revolution? They got one of those little hats on. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's kind of like, well, well that's weird. And Wait, does the do the hats sit on the bottom of the balls? Or they great, like... I didn't, I honestly thought, like, kind of like the crease. <laughs> <laughs> like where the connection kind of mm-hmm. you know, up there okay yeah that's what i it's at least how so I they're like snapbacks <laughs> they don't go all the way around right right okay. right right he's got his little minute man head on it's like that's weird so he takes it off he's like glad to have you back uh and then later his balls disappear again but then again they Not his balls. and this time when they reappear they're wearing like medieval armor and he's what bob realizes is that his world is changing around him slowly. He doesn't understand why it's small at first, but then big things start to happen. Like people talking about how good both of Kennedy's terms were or how, when they bring up nine 11, you know, Bob talks about it. No one knows what he's talking about. They're like nine 11. What is that? Uh, or like Roseanne never got canceled. And what Dr. Bob realizes is that thanks to his teabagging that particle reactor, his balls can travel through time. And not only can they travel through time, but they're getting involved in historical events <laughs> and affecting time and changing his present. So it's up to Dr. Bob to like decide. He has to determine if like it's immoral, if he should do something to his balls to like make them stop changing the world as we know it. Uh, and he has to get the help of Dr. Chad to, to reverse this particle reaction. In my new TV series, uh, Quantum Balls, <laughs> colon, scrotum in time. <laughs> So, Dude, all right um all right yeah i'm in i don't know 
I, yeah, I don't know what happened this week where I just sat down and thought that was funny, but the thought of the little hat on the balls. Yeah, really I think that's I, I think that's the best. Like that, we're gonna have to put that in the commercial. It's gonna be on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, so like, do his do his balls like get older or younger? Or are they just like the same age? That's a great as question. Because we don't actually like fo- we should probably follow them, right? Because it might go? be like a problem if you have like little boy balls on this on the screen. Well, no, it'll always be his balls at that age, I think. Okay. Be a good thing. But it'd be cool if, like, you know, like in, like, movies when someone travels through, like, hyperspace and it's, like, whew, we just see the balls, <laughs> like, <laughs> traveling through time, like, zippity, 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 you know? So they, so the, do they go off on their own? or Yeah, like, it's just when they travel, it's okay. just balls. <laughs> They're just, Wild. it's just imagined balls. All right. Like, Lee Harvey Oswald's about to snipe Kennedy and all of a sudden, like, it, when it, it's like the right nut hits him while the left nut's planted, and it's like we could set, we could edit all this out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well you heard it here first, folks. The uh, quantum, quantum balls, balls. colon scrotum in time, scrotum in time, invest. Uh, honestly, that'd probably get a higher rating than this episode did for us. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, you know, as usual, like, subscribe, share, rate. We appreciate everything. Um, happy birthday, Kyle's. Yeah. And do you have anything to add? No, just uh, Allison, hit me up. Let me tell you all about quantum balls. 